Lord, I thank you for that you have called us out of every nook and cranny, out of every tribe and tongue, out of every people and every nation to make for yourself a people redeemed, to be a kingdom of priests and a priesthood of kings to reign on earth. Whether we like it or not or whether we enjoy the, the process or discipline, this is the feast that we celebrate the journey of discipline into sonship, into inheritance, into the fulfillment because you are Lord. And the Lord who saved us out of Egypt is the same Lord that takes us through the wilderness that then brings us into the promise so that we are to remember the transition of change, the way in which you brought us into maturity and to celebrate the disciplines of the Lord and to know that without them, we would just soon still be fatherless in every way. So, Lord, I pray for today that you would, by your Spirit, help us see where we are and how your heart would call us to respond to where you are and to allow the work that you're doing to fully run rapidly in our hearts, in our minds, in our emotions. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if, uh, Leviticus 23, verse 39. This also on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you gather in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. This is also called the Feast of Ingathering. It's the end of the harvest season, and it's the end of the, of the uh, threshing and, and wine pressing. It's just closure. And it, the, the first day, there'll be a Sabbath rest, and the eighth day, there'll be a Sabbath rest. So it's a seven-day feast with the last day, the eighth day, the great day. You'll remember the great day of feast because in John 7, Jesus stands up in the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles at the eighth day, the last day, the great day of the feast, and made the promise of the Holy Spirit coming to all who were thirsty to come and drink, and those who would believe what a river would flow out of their belly of living water. So it's, it was a, it's a huge day. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees and boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. So the, our God has asked, asked Israel to make sure that these seven days would be a seven days of rejoicing. So again, this is a posture of the heart that I believe God will honor no matter where you are, what you've been through, what you're going through. This joy unto the Lord is a sign that you know where you're going to. You're going to end how it's going to be. And you shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths. So if you were in Israel, you would see them all over in Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, anywhere, Mount Carmel. There would be booths that are made that look rickety because they're meant to be tents. God decided that I want you to celebrate the journey by going back and living in your tents because that your generation... Now, generations to follow may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths. When I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. So, I will insert this to any who want to just write this down and take a moment. It's so rich. But if you go to Exodus 6, you, but we're not going there, you will find the reason why this is a really huge thing, that the Lord made things happen. I made Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, if you'll go with me to Deuteronomy 8. Uh, the, basically, we, we, won't, we won't pull it up right away, but what, what happened is God, through, at the Passover, he brought Israel out of Egypt, out of hard bondage, out of servitude, out of oppression, and that's like our being saved, coming out of sin, coming out of the, the, the captivity of the evil one. And boy, was that a celebration. And then 
unleavened bread immediately followed, which is the season and journey of life in sanctification. It, it it, it, we have to maintain a spirit of sincerity and truth in our do dealings with God and one with another and come in humility and begin to uh, lovers of God's word. Jesus said, Father, I want you not to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one in John 17. And the way you'll do it, I know you'll do it because this is what you did for me. I'm adding some expla explanation. Keep them in thy truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word, logos, is your truth. And for this reason, I, the word of God, made flesh, son of man, sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified. There is no maturity. There is no sanctification without the Bible. I don't care who you listen to. It's not the Bible. You've got to hear the Holy Spirit with the living word of God, and he has to be the primary, primary uh, instrument of salvation. George Mueller when he had first come out of, he was sent to college to be a minister, but he was a rebellious, reckless youth. But God began to win his heart, and finally he's saved, and now he's trying to live that life, but he's slipping in and out. And he, he brings this phrase out uh, that the Bible is the only way to really know God. Except I was still, and he was speaking to himself, I was still struggling holding my place because I enjoyed listening to men and what they were saying about the Bible or about God. And so then he says this phrase, and he said, I'd rather listen to uninspired men than the oracles of God. And I thought, wow, that's how high you hold this up. These are the oracles of God. These are scriptures that were not given by man's inspiration, but the Holy Spirit movement, so that he might bring us into the light till the light fully shines. It's, it's beautiful. But in any case, uh, this transition, this transformation that's taking place through sanctification is celebrated at this feast of completion. Uh, you're going to remember, I made you dwell in booths. I can make you dwell in feast of booths. I can rec you will recognize again what I was doing, though you could not see it when I was doing it. And that's what I hope today God's going to come and just say, let me just give everybody a refresher, a renewal. Uh, 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 let, me, let me repaint the picture what you, where you are and why you are where you are. And let me help you with here's the way of escape, always in everything. So in uh, Deuteronomy 8, it's a journey of Jesus. I want to go back and I'll get my notes called. <laughs> That's good. Deuteronomy 8 is Moses bringing Israel to a remembrance of the reason for 40 years walking with the Lord and what he was doing in that 40 years. So in Deuteronomy 8, verse 1, please, he said, Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. So he was, they're about to cross over. They're about to enter in. This is the preparation. And now let's understand what the journey's been. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Now, I know people will refer to one or two scriptures said they wandered in the wilderness. But the truth is they were led by the Spirit in the wilderness. They had to go wherever the fire was or wherever the cloud was. They had to follow the tabernacle. I know that people will make a point that you could have got over from Egypt to uh, Israel maybe 40 days, four weeks, I don't know. But the honest truth is they could never have gotten into Israel earlier than about a year and a half because the first year was designed to take them as a band of slaves and put them into a nation of identity with God, a priesthood, a tabernacle, a, a set form of worship, holidays. God was working a group of people who had no rights to speak over their lives into a company, a nation, and he was giving all of that. And that, I believe, at least would have been, at the, I would have guessed, a minimum a year and a half. 
We know that they couldn't come, it wouldn't go in because they saw the obstacles of the giants that forced them to see themselves like grasshoppers and they already had been living in lots of issues of strife and unbelief and hard-heartedness and, and wanting this and needing that. So God, after seven different testings, he says to Moses, that's it. There's going to be a 40-year journey in the wilderness while we wait for the generation that refused to go in to die. And then the children whom they were afraid would never enter in, they would be devoured by the giants, they're the ones that are going to go in. So then begins a 40-year journey. And so he says, it was the Lord who led you all the way these 40 years. Now again, uh, to, why did you do this? And he says, to humble you. The, the first and foremost lesson all of us are always learning every day is to be humble, to put ourselves low, to put him up high, to acknowledge he knows we don't, to, to be teachable, to have soft hearts, to respond. Uh, I humble you. I tested you. God tests us. He doesn't test us with evil. He just lets, speaks his word over us and asks us to live under it. And then the circumstances of life come and challenge us. And our fear, our lust, our anger, our hostility, we act out. And there we see what we didn't see when everything was rosy. Because he wanted to know what's in our heart. Now, God knows what's in my heart. He knows my thoughts from afar. So why would he? The problem is that I need to know what's in my heart. I need to be caught. I need to see, oh, wow, how did I, wow. Oh. And I don't know about you, but I believe that till the very last breath, I have a chance to continue to grow up into Christ in maturity, into submission, into wonder and deliverance from self and all of the issues that would just hinder the expression of Jesus Christ in my life. So I'm not, I haven't arrived in any way. I have a goal. It's the resurrection from the dead to attain to that, to arrive there and perfection or full maturity. I haven't arrived to either of them, but I make it my aim to, that, that I might lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ laid hold of me under him so that we might be meet in union and communion and fullness and submission. So how do I do that? I try to follow Paul's advice. Every day I forget what was behind me. I start over. And then I, I, I reach forward to the thing ahead of me. And the joy is we all can do this. And not only do I reach forward, but I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So if you're 90, you're still, there's still a goal ahead of you. There's still a prize. It's an upward call. And frankly, the less your body works, the more your spirit does. So we can just keep ascending, ascending. So he said, I did this. I humble you, test you to know what's in your heart, whether you would keep my commandments or not. Uh, so he humbled you. Now Moses continues. So he humbled you. How, can I just ask a show? Anybody been humbled by the Lord? Anybody? I mean, am I talking? Okay, you've, you've, you've experienced? Okay. All right. I'm not talking to people that don't need it or haven't had it. Okay, great. We're okay. That should be really, we can all be humbled. And we all need to let that, when it takes hold, take hold. So there might be more coming. So he said, I hum we humbled you. He allowed you to hunger. So they, they got into these moments. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Then they got in this complaint. I hate eating this bread from heaven. I want meat. I allowed you to get in this. I fed you with mamma, manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. That he might make you know. This is the no verse, okay? It's fun just to highlight all the no's. I fed you with manna you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. That is a key. Above the circumstances of life, above where you are safe and secure or threatened and menaced, what matters more than anything is what is God saying over you. Those words are, define everything and determine every outcome. So we learn that this life that I see is not the life I'm trying to save,
but the words that are being spoken are the words that I'm living in agreement with and so forth. And he said, your garments did not wear out, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. So again, like Cammie pointed out, not, not everybody wants to wear the same outfit for 40 years, but they did. And sometimes you'll know when you're in a training season is that you're being sustained in a set place where sustenance shouldn't keep you. You're being, we're being trained in a journey to discover who Jesus, it's all about partakers of his divine nature is where he's taking all of this. But one of the ways you'll know is just, I don't know why I'm still here. I don't know how, how I'm just being sustained because God's got a purpose greater than the circumstances. You should, that you would know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Now, the, you just, if you, we'll maybe jump over there. Hebrews chapter 12 is all where the, is, pulls this quote right out. He chastens us. Uh, Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. So, Hebrews 12 tells us that it's never fun to be chastened by the Lord. But if you're not chastened, you're illegitimate. Or King James had a stronger word. Now is a kind of a profane word. But it meant you're fatherless. You have no father. So, and nobody likes being disciplined by the Lord. But at the end, it brings a peaceful fruit of righteousness. So there's a purposeful outcome. And this is what the Lord is doing for 40 years. And before, when I was much more arrogant until I was humbled much in many, many other ways, I would think, gosh, what a, too bad they had to spend that 40 years to take that long to learn something. And then I, the Lord said, but look, I had to do the same thing with Moses. I didn't. Moses was no, you know, even though he might have said yes to me in a grand way. He had no means to follow me because he was too Egyptian in his thinking and not, and I had to tend him out and reduce him before I could rebuild him. And they used to say in the old days that God takes a man and then he takes down the man and then he rebuilds the man because it's not for man to, you know, is it? He just takes you down. You know, I mean, I don't know. I thought, oh, Lord, I can't wait to now serve you. I'm going to give all my life to you. And he said, that's wonderful, but you've got a lot of old thinking patterns that you'd like to employ, and I'm not going to use any of them. But go ahead and try. We'll sort it out as we go. So he says, I'm doing this. It's to, so that you could keep my commandments. You could walk in my ways. You could fear me. For the Lord your God. Now, listen, this is what's coming and much of it will be millennial. But some of it will be as it is instrumental as God rewards the coming of authority that we grow in. But he says, he's bringing into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land in which you will eat your bread without scarcity in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. This is so important because that's how we return to the Lord and humble ourselves before the Lord that we are indeed being the recipients of God's provision and not of our own ability. Because he says, beware that you do not forget the Lord, your God, by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks and your bank accounts multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all you have is multiplied when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage it's so I don't uh, it's so easy to forget it's so easy to to just become conscious of my environment is something that I'm the one who's providing it by my hard work my diligence or or conversely my environment is so unfair after my hard sacrifice and willingness to serve. Whether it's self-pity or whether it's arrogant 
look at me. It's so easy. It's so easy. Job, the most righteous man, greatest integrity, God, but yet he had in his heart pride that kept him in a less than perfect, less relationship than God wanted. So he let him walk through a journey until Job is the Mr. Complainer of the universe. But when he comes out of it, he says, and y'all have heard this verse before. He says, I've heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now I see you with my eyes. And I'm praying for that for, for all of us, that we would see him with our eyes. The kind of thing that undoes us. We see him in his glory. Because if I see Jesus, if I see the glory of God, I see Christ, I will be undone. Because I can't see me unless I see him. I'll think I am as good as everything is. But if I see him and all that he is, I go down and I humble myself. And so I'm praying for that. So he goes on and he says, those who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents, scorpions, thirsty land where there was no water, brought you water for you to come out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you, that he might test you to do you good in the end. Now again, this is never what we're looking for, but the Feast of Tabernacles is so that we would return to the lesson learned and remember the lesson and grow in the lesson that it's not by power nor by might, but by his spirit, and it's not by my place. He says, you, they, so you don't say in your heart, my power and my might of my hand has gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And then it shall be, if by any means you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and save them and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day, you shall surely perish. This is a covenant nation. And we're reading the outworkings of the newspaper articles written in Kings, in Second Kings. We're watching the discipline of God upon a people that he had separated for himself to walk with. And this is the same process we will see and are seeing in the world and in the church is that if we go after other gods, if we wor worship the work of our hands, simple form of idolatry is what I'm building, what I'm doing, the way I do it is the way we to do it. Therefore, I now look at this pattern and math methodology more than the person who spoke, and on and on and on, or we succumb to all of the things that we do. God says, I'm just going to let discipline come. You're going to have to, but I'll get you out of it. Call on my name. Every time someone calls on the name of the Lord, they're saved. Every time we call on the name of the Lord. And it can be the simplest of ways, and it can be the most, you know, painful Cammie was a young believer. We weren't married yet. She was having trouble with the Lord in one of those, you know, problems where I don't like the way you're dealing with this right now or me or whatever, and I'm just going to not talk to you for a while. And then she was sitting down, and all of a sudden, uh, a bumblebee came coming after her. And she doesn't like bees. And she jumped up and began to cry out in the name of Jesus, Jesus, save me! And she realized that she's not going to be able to live without the dependency on the Lord. <laughs> so she get, gave up that mindset. And that's how we can be. We can all of a sudden go, whoa, I've gotten far, far from the Lord. So I testify, you will perish. And as the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish, because you would not be obedient. This is what we're learning, to be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Now, the reason... I believe this is so huge. This, if you'll take me to Psalm 84, and this will be probably all we need to see. First off, can I establish for anyone who's willing that I do not believe that Christianity goes like this? I believe a journey of honesty and integrity is one of which we see, go, whoa, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> and then... 
look up and go, how'd that happen? And you have to sort it out. Maybe you stay there for a long time. You know, I, I, used, to, I used to never understand. How come God rewards me with, how come I end up coming into suffering when I sought to do something so wonderful? I didn't realize that he doesn't need me to be wonderful. He wants me to be obedient. He wants me to defer and to worship and to listen. So, so I would be, feel like I'm just serving God, and then I get ran over by, you know, uh, just, uh, just like one of those street those pavement balls that rolled and pressed the paper, pavement, pavement down. Uh, and all of a sudden, I'm just wondering what happened. And all of a sudden, the, as the truck goes by, it says, honk if you love Jesus. And I think, I'm not honking for anybody now. I'm suffering, and I'm going to feel this suffering, and I deserve to feel this pain. Not realizing that self-pity is pride. Not realizing that my idea that I should be treated special because I serve the Lord is, is right. I didn't know that I was learning things by going up and down, up and down. Stay down until I'm willing to call on his name. Uh, and it's hard. It really is hard because it makes no sense. You would think... God would reward us, but he's not after. He really doesn't need us to do something wonderful. He needs the Holy Spirit to have access to do something powerful. And to be powerful disciples, we have to deny ourselves. We have to come into a, an agreement that I utterly disown myself. And I pick up my cross, which is not like, oh, here, equipping the saints for victory. Here's your cross. And then we have to follow Jesus which does not mean like we're, 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 where are you, Jesus? I, I can tell everybody, in case you don't know where Jesus is, he's on the right hand of God. We're led by the Spirit. When it means follow Jesus, it means you're going to walk in the same path that I walked, the same way I walked, the same way I responded to life. You're going to be partners. You're going to be conformed to my death that I might conform you to my resurrection. It's a journey. And I don't get that. I don't like that. I didn't even believe it, but it didn't matter because it's still the way it works. And if we know it works that way, then we can kind of go, okay, I got to understand. What, what is the real goal then? The real goal is transformation into his likeness. Hebrews 12 says it's to be a partaker of his divine nature. How many in the inspiration of the moment will offer ourselves to God and he will accept our offering. And then when it comes to pass, we can't real believe it could possibly have been an answered prayer because it feels so awful. Like the simple prayer, Lord, use me. Lord, use me. And then you feel used. <laughs> that isn't what I meant. You, they put me in the Sunday school. Nobody ever found it and realized I was still there. I feel used. Because you prayed to be used. That's what Jesus did. He did not come to be served. He came to serve. Give his life as a ransom as many. So there's a lot of that that I don't know me until I begin to find, see me in the, in the moments of, of revelation. Like Peter, you're the Christ. You're the Christ. And then the moments of the rebuke, you're Jesus saying, you're the devil. You're speaking from man's interest and not from God's. I wanted you to hold the revelation of the Messiah, but you don't understand until he's a reigning king, he's going to be a suffering servant. And he's going to be submitted to the discipline of un, you know, wicked men, but they'll be fulfilling the word of God, and I'll ra he'll be raised from the dead. And that's, therefore, if you're going to follow me, that's where he gives that famous line. If you try to save your life, you lose it. Some things we try to resolve aren't meant to be resolved. It says if you deny yourself, and then you'll find yourself. If you save yourself, you'll lose yourself. And then he says if you take, follow me, take up your cross. Well, cross is what you don't want to carry, but if you don't carry it, you can't keep following Jesus. Meaning like, I have an issue here. I'm not going to do that anymore. Until God comes and uh, sorts this out, I'm not going to serve him. And then three, four years go by, and you're still sitting. I'm still sitting. 
I mean, it's happened. I don't know about you. I'm just being honest. I've had some real struggles with God. Troubles. I mean, like, why, why in the world are you, uh, why, why has this happened? Why did that happen? What's the purpose of this? Where was the reason for that? I, what, why? And then, because you, you end up having to blame the higher, the, you have to keep going up the higher authority until you finally end up with God. God, you, you could have done differently. I don't, I, I, you know, like, and one day it just dawned on me in depression, in discouragement, in despondency, in, in agitation, in bitterness, in accusation, in unwillingness to participate because I'm now the one that's feeling the injustice on my life. And one day I realized, God, I'm complaining to you and you're my salvation. That's just stupid. There's something wrong with this picture that I would be accusing you when you are my Savior. So I had to repent that I was no longer thankful and I was no longer glorifying God and I had to make a choice. I'm going to start glorifying you right here for everything, in everything. I'm going to give you thanks right now. And I began to rejoice. Tabernacles is like a parent saying to his son or daughter, you'll thank me later for what I'm about to do. I'm going to make you go through things that you wouldn't choose to go through, but you're going to go through them because I need you to become an overcomer. I brought you out of Egypt. I'm going to bring you into the promised land, but I've got to bring you through whatever you will succumb to. If you've got if, if where, your, where your vulnerability is, you're going to face it. Not because I'm going to expose you to leave you to die, but to reveal to you your necessity for me and call upon my name and submit to my word. And let my voice be the voice that you follow. Let my word be your definition. If you have need of affirmation from man, I'll make you serve me in a place you get no affirmation. You say, well, why would you do that? Because I won't have any other gods before me. And the God of self is not going to be seated next to Jesus. So self is going to keep falling down and end the issue. And then it's just what happens. But it's like God saying, you'll thank me for this. I'll make you dwell in tents. He didn't say, I'm going to, we're going to have a glorious camping trip through the wilderness. He said, we're going to have disappointment. You're going to go from one crisis to another crisis, not because the crises are designed by God. It's just your flesh pulls them out. Your, your lust takes, me up, takes over. Your fear overwhelms. The heart gets hard. You get distasteful. I'm tired of what I'm having to eat. You know, I'm not going to eat this anymore. It's just... I don't know about you, but ha have you ever been in a car with your little children trying to go eight miles or eight hours in a travel, and they're about 30 minutes into it? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? This is taking so long. And then you know what's going to happen next. I'm bored. I'm bored. Don't say to God you're bored. I mean, you... That's a beautiful thing, is in the presence of God, under the blood, inside Christ, at his feet, you can say anything about where you are. Don't blame him for any of it. But acknowledge where you are so that he can deal with the reason you're there. The reason life sucks is because we're not in vibrant fellowship with Jesus Christ. And the reason we're not in vibrant fellowship with Jesus Christ is often we're dis distracted by something else we fear or something else we lust or something else we want, we demand. And that is the training for reigning. That's the reigning, training, training for reigning. And every day we go through one of those, we return to the Lord. Every time we return to the Lord, he says, that's it. We're, we're learning my ways. We're pilgrims. Our this is not our home. And we're passing through. And there's one goal that God has is I'm going to make you like my son. I'm going to conform you into his jointly formed into his resurrection image. But I'll first have to conform you, jointly form you into his death. You're going to learn the death so that you can rise. And it's not going to be clear at times because it's, it's really not the outcome of the event. It's the 
the heart. Okay. I'm, I'm finding, I think some of us are, that he who has a merry heart has a continual feast. The joy of the Lord is our strength. There's, there's no limitation to fellowship with Jesus Christ in the circumstances of life. And any time a circumstance of life tells me I can't fellowship with God, then the, the circumstance is greater than, the, than the, the one I want to fellowship with. I have to learn that. Anytime, and so uh, pilgrimage, a pilgrimage, a pilgrim. Pilgrim, we're, we're set, we're, there's a city that is a builder and maker's God. There's an inheritance God's going to give us that, that is so beyond anything we've ever hoped for. We're going to, uh, the disengagement from the physical world as being the means to identify how I'm doing or how well God is doing for me and then become an instrument of his to begin to address the things that he wants addressed by the Spirit in the name of the Lord is the maturity of the church. And that possibility is we're, we're going to rush into it really quickly. It's, I, I believe it's going to be uh, both awful and awesome at the same time. <laughs> so listen to Psalm 40, 84. Psalm 84. Uh, how lovely... Of is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, just even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. This is the true call of every believer. Once you've, once you've come to know the Lord, you cry out, I want to be where you are. I want to be in the tabernacle. I want to be in your courts. I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are. Even the sparrows found a home. And a swallow a nest. Remember when you first were saved? We, we couldn't keep ourselves away from growing in the things of God, from prayer meetings of God, from by just we wanted to be there. Uh, they're blessed, verse 4, are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. The conflicts that are against us is to get us to disengage from places God put us. And he says, now stay there. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Uh, Jesus, when his highest level of popularity dispersed the entire company of believers by telling them they had to eat his body and drink his blood. He didn't start there. They started it by asking stupid questions and demanding natural answers to a spiritual truth. And they forced him to speak to their natural, hard-hearted minds because really he had identified John chapter 6. The reason they were following him is they found out that he could give people free lunches. <laughs> and who wouldn't? And so he had to address, no, don't labor for free lunch. Labor for eternal things. There are eternal values that each of us have access to. And God is unwilling for us to live carnally and naturally, and fleshly, if indeed we have called upon the name of his son. Now it's conformity into the resurrected one, into the, into the, to, to become that bride. So our hearts set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, valley of trouble, valley of struggles, they make it a spring. Let's imagine today, as we go through tabernacles, that we are in the place God has chosen us to be. We just read that today in 1 Corinthians 7. If you, whatever condition you were in when you found the Lord, remain in that condition. Don't try to change the circumstances. If you're a slave, then you're free. But if you can get free, be free, because then if you're free, you can be Christ's slave. And if you were circumcised, don't try to uncircumcise which I was thinking to myself, how in the world would you uncircumcise a man? And then I realized, well, it's not the physical act of circumcision. It's the adherence to the law. If you're a part of, you were born in, uh, in the covenant of the law, stay there. Don't try to disengage. So they pass through the Valley of Becca. They make it a spring. They also cover with pools. So let's think about this now. We all have a journey in front of us. Tomorrow probably is already set. Right? Pretty much you know what it'll do tomorrow, and you'll know where you'll be, you'll know what the week's going to be like, and you probably, I probably can't estimate my problems. 
that are coming with the week. Yeah? I mean, does anybody have a week without trials planned? No testing? <laughs> of course not. And, and if I was to ask you, just, just where do you think these trials are going to show up for you? Do you have some idea? Of course you do. Because they're, they're part of us. They're, they're, part of the, they're part of my journey. Uh, they're testings of how I will respond to the Lord. How can I come into, a, into joy? I'm in a valley of Baca, weeping, trials. But I make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. So what if, it, what if, just let's try this for a week since it's a week to just What if the attitude I respond to my circumstances unto the Lord, praising him, rejoicing in him, letting his will come, let his work be done, uh, knowing him, meeting him. The only thing that is important is that I find Jesus in everything. And I meet him and he meets me. And he knows me. And the only way God knows me is to undo me so that I see me. If I don't see me, I won't own me. You might see me and say, boy, it's like what they used to say about pride. Pride is like bad breath. You're always the last one to know you have it. You know? And you just, and so someone says to you, you've got pride. Oh, that's, those are fighting words. You know, I don't have pride. How dare you say I have pride? You, you have a selfish motive in that. No way. But but let only God, when he can get that, if he says, and I hear him, he says, you're selfish. I go down. I don't even try to. I mean, this is God who is the most unselfish one ever to live and his son, the most selfless, giving up his self for us to be saved. And the Holy Spirit, who's now working in the living church, that has only one objective, is that Jesus Christ have access to the lost world through us at whatever cost. It doesn't matter where we are and why we are. He's not here to place us. He's here to reach the. And so all of a sudden, I get an encounter like I'm selfish. The closest things you ever get these is a good, honest marriage. Right? When, you're, when your spouse finally catches you and you're caught too. I mean, she, she or he will, you know, catch you and say, you're, you're being selfish. And first off, no, I'm not. You have, you have no idea. I, I was doing that for the Lord. <laughs> I remember praying deliverance over a guy for like three hours. Really big deal, big person, a big demonic structure. And getting home three hours late while Cammy is trying to survive three children, or four or five at that age. And I'm just, she's saying, why couldn't you just call? No, I was, I was engaged in spiritual warfare. I can't call in the middle of spiritual warfare. Just. Only when you get older can you see some of that. Meanwhile, you just, others will see it and tell you later. Hmm. Mm -hmm. that's what's happening. So where I'm going, the week's ahead of me, God says, I want you to rejoice. I want you to praise me. I want you to thank me. I want you to realize that I'm taking you through something, but I want you to make it a spring. I want you to make it a pool. I want you to make the place filled with joy. I want you to go to work and be the one that releases the peace in the house. I want you to be the one that's optimistic. I don't want you to join with the grumblers and the complainers. And the, the doomsayers of the world. I want you to be like Cammy. Get a moment. You're going, I don't want to rejoice. He says, well, then rejoice in my son. And then you say, okay, I will rejoice in the son. And then you say, oh, he's a victor. He's a conqueror. He's got the whole. See, a lot of times we're just missing the moment. We're not interpreting. So rejoice. Change the atmosphere. Be the smiler. Let someone else get ahead of the line. Any way and every way, we step back, let Christ go forward, let his joy come into the situation, let his peace. Speak kind words. Bless everyone around you. You say, well, what does that have to do? There's no objectives on this earth except Jesus Christ be glorified in the lives of his church. Whether it's for good, or whether it's in, in being honored or dishonored. 
whether it's in coming in a prevailing moment or undergoing something that we wish we could get out of. It's all it's to be for Jesus. And I've learned so much. I don't do it well at all. I have to return every day. I have to remind myself, Steve, you do not matter here. What matters is Jesus Christ be seen. And if you will connect to Jesus, he will be seen. And you will enjoy where you are. And you can test it. You can enjoy anywhere with Jesus. He can be everything. So you will live. You're going to... We're going to have a seven-day, eight-day tent outing in our backyard because I want you to remember that where I'm bringing you to is not from you. And I am the sustenance to get you there. And I will leave you threadbare to get your attention, to train you in my way, to embrace my truth, to come into my word, and to read my Bible, and to spend time with me. I'll, I don't mind taking as long as it takes because I've got to have one people, one mind, one mouth, one heart. And the only heart, mind, and mouth we can agree upon is to submit to the one man, Jesus Christ, his Bible, and just begin to say, okay, Jesus, show up. Because he says they go from strength to strength. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. The only praise we want is God's. We do not want, if we do well, men will speak well of us. And if we do really well, we'll think well of ours. And then we'll name countries after us. But it all disappears as soon as we die. And the only thing that matters is what God thinks about us. Only thing that matters is what Jesus Christ recognizes us as we are summed up inside of him. It's just, it's glorious. Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere, right? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. That's a bad prayer, but it's a good one. <laughs> than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. To envy the wicked, to envy those who are wicked, who have luxury and pleasant things, to envy what they have, to lose sight of whose we are, and that we've been given everything in him that he desires to reveal through us. And some of us, he chooses to reveal himself in victory that appears to man as a pleasant, desirable place. And others he chooses to reveal himself in struggles and sufferings that no man would ever choose. But many men find themselves in it. To find someone who in the midst of trouble is rejoicing is a better testimony than someone who's in a great place who's also rejoicing. Because anybody can rejoice in a good place. But to find Jesus in the midst of it. So tabernacles to celebrate. I will bring you through. I have a reason. I'm going to make you dwell in tents. No, it's not the devil making you dwell where you are. I'm the one we're dealing with. I'm the one. When I'm happy, you'll leave this place. If I'm not happy, you'll stay here. Because I have one objective, is to make you conformed into my likeness, into my very image of my son. And he's doing it. And what I found, I've spent so many years fighting him. And then I started just realizing finally by being squeezed into one place that there's only one, one issue that I'm really dealing with is you. And the only thing I can do about what I am is my heart. And to return my heart back to you. To humble myself, to be thankful, to be praising, to pray, to read your word. There's times I wouldn't read the Bible. Did you know that? Imagine that. I can read the Bible. I already read it. I'm not eating food anymore. I already ate it. But I just get in these funks. And then I realize it's just pride again and again. So let's stand together. Oh, praise Jesus. Here's the coolest thing. You can rejoice. I can rejoice. I am not 
objective-minded. I am Christ-minded. And Christ is here, and he's in me, and he's in us. And so many of us were being raised up. So if you'll just raise your hands for a minute and just begin to be thankful, every one of us. Thank you that you would never leave us, that you will never forsake us. Thank you that you will humble us if we won't humble ourselves. And thank you that even when we try to humble ourselves, we need your help. Thank you that you will test us by allowing your word to be the standard that we do not keep and we'll blame others for the reason we're not there and we'll go off on all tangents till we run finally back into ourselves and like the prodigal say, you know what, this is really not smart. Thank you that we can be elder brothers slaving away in the Father's house, angrier every month. And then one day you have to catch us and say, come on, you're not even enjoying your inheritance that you've been given. And every one of us gets to come back to ourselves. Praise you. Thank you. Thank you for catching me. Find me, Lord. Thank you for catching me. Find me, Lord. Know me. Make that your prayer. Just if that's you know, I know one thing about Jesus. He wants to hear my voice when it's about me. And if I start speaking, I get into me, to him, and I give him access. Open my eyes, Lord Jesus. Open my eyes and my ears. Sometimes. We're going to, if the Lord has been dealing with you or pointing to you that this might indeed be part of what your journey is right now, of hardship, difficulty, complaint, arrogance, testing, humility being brought upon us, learning to listen to his word, would you tell him, Lord, I, I think you might have me in this school right now, and I, I accept being here. I'm not going to fight you. In fact, forgive me for fighting you. Go ahead, please. If you know you're there, tell them. Lord, I, I don't want to be stopping you from what you're trying to do in me. I want to become like Christ. And I need help. I need help. Okay, now, if you desire the help, if, if the Holy Spirit would come to bring us into a transformation inside his word spirit and belief in the truth and you want help Holy Spirit come please come ask him please please come Holy Spirit I need your help come alongside and get me back on the right on the path on the narrow path help me Holy Spirit help me help me get me out of this self and back into Christ go ahead tell him one day we will be out. We will. We will have no. We will have no more fear of man, and we won't be worrying about what others think. So we won't have to be so quiet. But for now, just say it loud enough that you know you said it to the Lord. I want to. I want to. I want you to be glorified in my life. I want you to be glorified. I want you to live large. I want you to have your way. Oh. And one last part of this prayer, then we can rejoice and we can let joy turn return Lord show me where I am identify me in the path am I in the valley of Baca am I turning it into springs am I in strength that's going to strength or have I stopped and no longer follow am I in complaint or am I praise show me please whoa We need Jesus. We need God to come. I cannot be a Christian because I learned what Christians are. I need Jesus to come. I need a revival. I need an awakening of renewal. 
I need to allow God to have greater access to my life and I have less say over it. I need to trust God in things that I'm, no longer, I'm not trusting Him in and let go of controlling things that He does not want me to control. I need to expect Him to come in a wonder, wonderful, helpful way. I praise you, Lord. I praise you. If you need God to do something, help him. I need to see you again. I need to see you and those who have ran away from you. I need to see you and my enemies. I need to see you again. Oh, go ahead. Come on. He's, he's coming. He wants to help us. Hallelujah. 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 Holy Spirit, we are desperately needing you. I don't want to live from my mind and my will and my self-righteousness or my whatevers. I want you. I want you to come and create God consciousness in my midst and undo me and dismantle my own position and bring me into what you've provided for in Christ alone. Come, Holy Spirit. And Lord, we'll begin today by rejoicing. We will thank you now for what you're doing in our life today. We will thank you now for the trial we're walking through today. We will thank you now for the tents we have to live in today. And we will celebrate this is the Lord making us dwell in a tent to come into a mansion. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Come on, the praise will start rising Praise Him. Praise Him. We praise you. 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 Now. I don't fear anymore. Start it right where you started it first time. Do it again. Yeah, joy in the struggle. I've got peace in the storm. I've got strength in the battle. I don't fear anymore. I'm a child of heaven, and my hope is secure. I've got joy because I've got Jesus. All right. Again, let's sing that one more time. Make this our declaration. I'll bless the food and let everyone go. I've got joy. I've got joy in the struggle. Yeah. I've, I've got, got peace in the storm. storm. I've got strength in the battle. I don't fear anymore. I'm a child of heaven, and my hope is secure. I've got, got joy because I've got Jesus. Father in heaven, we acknowledge Jesus, our Lord, Holy Spirit, who leads. Jesus, we follow. And we acknowledge this is the season of rejoicing. And we will rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Lord, bless this week with supernatural Jesus breakthroughs. Supernatural Jesus breakthroughs into our work, into our family, 
into our week. In Jesus' name. And thank you for this feast. And thank you for family. And thank you for fellowship. And thank you for this time together and rejoicing in the feast. In Jesus' name, amen.